Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The first guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think who has ever played the guitar or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot. All the lovely ladies in their finery tonight, I wish that I could know them one by one. All the handsome gentlemen with loving on their minds, strolling in to take the ladies home. Bless you all and keep you on the road to tenderness. Heaven can be yours just for now. This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates Gordon Lightfoot's music song by song, a proud member of the That's Not Canon podcast network. I'm your host, Mike Messner, and with me today is a fellow Lightfoot fan from Southern California, Barbara J. Barbara, welcome to the program. Hey, Mike. Thank you. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you with us. So tell us how you originally got into Gordon's music. Really, I grew up listening to Gordon. You know, I was coming up in the 70s, and actually, I grew up in a small town in rural Pennsylvania. And so, you know, it was mostly AM radio, mostly easy listening, and folk was part of that genre. I call it the soundtrack of my youth, because it was always on. So it was just it's like a part of my life, I felt. Was in your ears before you really kind of knew what was there, and then you That's learned the to thing. appreciate it as time went on. That's great. For sure, for sure. What do you like about Lightfoot's music generally? Well, you know, I think where to begin, really, it's, you know, it's everywhere. His melodies were simple, but they were beautiful, gorgeous. You could sing along to it. And just he had the way with lyrics, no fancy language, but really his lyrics captured feelings. And you mentioned how, you know, I heard it as I was young. It's like when you're a little kid listening to If You Could Read My Mind, you're hearing the feelings you don't even know you have. It just captured that, I think. And I think every song of his did that. And you know, of course, then growing up and getting older and hearing this stuff, things take on a new meaning, but it was no less powerful then than later, I think. Yeah. You mentioned, if you could read my mind, for me, it was Don Quixote that yeah. brought up stuff that I didn't know was there because I was only three years old. So I was still, <laughs> yeah. you know, learning what it was to be alive, but it certainly right. evoked things. So that's great. I hear you. Yep. What about your experiences seeing Lightfoot perform? Tell us about those. I wish I had been that fortunate, Mike. I do. I never got to see him live. Once, though, there was a venue not far from where I grew up in Pennsylvania. It was in Southwest New York called Chautauqua Institution. And they have people from the arts performing there all the time. And once it was in the late 80s, we were up there just for a Sunday afternoon. And I believe that Gordon was playing there. I think he was doing a show there that weekend. And this man walked past us, you know, and, and at the time, didn't think of it. He had longish hair and he had sunglasses on. He smiled at us and spoke to us. And my, I think it was my brother-in-law was with us. And he, I said, I think that was Gordon Lightfoot. And he goes, yeah, he looked pretty exotic. I'm like, not a word I used to describe Gord. You know, but no, Gord is many things. I would never have thought of exotic being one of them. If anything, he's a son of the soil. God bless him. So 
Why did you want to talk about all the lovely ladies? I know that you've recorded it and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but what does it mean to you in particular? You know, I think when I first heard the song, as I told you, I was picking out songs for my first album, which I had decided to do a complete cover album of Gordon. Of course, there were more famous songs I knew I wanted to do, but then I just started listening through CDs I had picked up over the years. And I heard that song. And I just knew it. I was like, I love this song. And not because, I mean, you know, when you first hear all the lovely ladies and all the handsome gentlemen, I thought it wasn't pigeonholed like that because then it goes on to talk about all different kind of life situations. And to me, that was so profound. It made a song that sounds like it might just be simplistic on the surface. You know, it's about men and women. You know, no, it's not. It's about life and so many life situations. And of course, the melody was beautiful. That was the first track on the album. We made that one. So. And then I did a reprise, I think, just to fill in the, the space, but because I loved it that much, you know? So. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think for me, it seems like it's his most sincere of any of the songs. Not that he was ever artificial, but right. this one is the most heartfelt. He's not trying to make time with a woman. He's not trying to seduce her. He's not trying to make great art out of Kathy Smith or anybody else. Mm-hmm. He's being sensitive, at least at the outset of the whole thing. He's being sensitive mm-hmm. to how easily women and men for that matter, but women can be taken right. in mm-hmm. by people who are charming. And mm-hmm. I think he's also indirectly apologizing a little bit for some of his behavior towards women, because we know that he was a bit of a womanizer right. um, in mm-hmm. his earlier years. But as you also said, he is addressing a lot of different sectors of humanity who are flawed, who have pain, who are mm-hmm. scared. And in that sense, it's one of his most sweeping songs. It's not just about lovely ladies, but I don't know that he could have come up with a better title without making it sound like cliched. Exactly. Like, that. You know, I'd like to teach the world thing, you know, or something that would be just so general that people would say, why do I want to listen to this? So I think that might have been, that was clever of him to have that. Agreed. Do you have an anecdote about the song outside of just your recording of it, how it has impacted you? Or was there a particular time when you were listening to it that it just smacked you in the face? Well, you know, other than that first time, I think that really what was interesting to me was while I did cover other songs that were more popular, if you could read my mind, um, Rainy Day People, Shadows, different things like that, that was the most popular song on that album in terms of streaming. It won an award from a place called Academia Music Awards. It was back in a year after it was released, but it was in, first in its genre. And I think that was as much to do, though, with the accompaniment I had with that. My producer, who also happens to be a first cousin <laughs> down in Nashville and a songwriter himself, Jim Riley, he played the guitar. And then we had this fellow, his name is Jake Clayton, and he's played with everybody. But he played the steel, he played the mandolin, he played every instrument that is not a guitar or a drum oh. on that album, on that song rather, is Jake Clayton. <laughs> and it really, you know, when people listened to the song and I got comments on like Amazon and things, everyone without fail commented on the, the instrumentation. So I think it was a whole. And I think that's what impressed me about the song, back to that idea that it's not just about this one thing, it's more like of an every man's anthem type of thing. I think that that's sort of my anecdote about that song was just that for all the things that it is beyond its title, as you mentioned, it turned out to be the most popular track on the album, which I thought was amazing, given that I, you know, I'm like, but I did the famous songs. You know? 
or the more famous, I should say. But that song, you know, I don't believe was ever really famous in the States. Or it was in Canada, it was, it was a winner. But, you know, we never heard that. I had never heard it till I heard that. What was the CD? Was it Cold on the Shoulder, right? Yes. That that was on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, this is a find. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. And I think you know, and some of the listeners know that your uh, cover of that song was in my top five. Yeah, um, thank you know, you. <laughs> Lightfoot covers, yeah, uh, bested only by For Love and Me by We Five, an episode that I just released with Glenn Nelson. What's the best setting for you to listen to this song? Because I know I have one, mm-hmm. but is it in a certain place, a certain time of day, inside, outside, doing something, not doing something, where and when? Again, I hate to generalize, but anytime I hear it, I think for me, it would be just kind of driving along on some ho-hum day and that, that song comes on and it's just, you know, you hear that the strings at the beginning and just the melody is sort of lilting at the beginning. I think anytime you're just kind of having a day or you're just kind of ho-hum, for me, it just, it livens things up. I, I enjoy hearing it and really anytime, but particularly when it's just sort of, oh, it's a day, then you hear that song and it's just like, it just kind of perks me up. For me, I can see myself in a theater or in a ballroom <laughs> at a senior prom or maybe the night before graduation uh, for a high school or a college. Everybody's dressed a certain way, if not formal, then semi-formal. And I can see him almost giving this as a valedictory speech. So maybe that says a lot about the kind of lyrics and his mastery of lyrics, because he puts Mm -hmm. me right there where he's addressing a number of young women and telling them, okay, be careful with yourselves. And then, of course, he's going on to generalize more. So that was for me, and I don't know if I'll ever be in a position to listen to it in that particular uh, setting, but that's what would do it for me. This was a song that he actually, you said, you know, I I don't know how often it was performed or how often you listen on on the radio, but Lightfoot himself said, and I'm quoting, one of our most popular live songs, a valentine to the audience, where we recognize all the lovely ladies in their finery tonight, and then the handsome gentleman. Beyond that, I don't have a whole lot of information about how the song got written. Barbara, do you? No, I had that same experience because when I decided to first cover it and I you know, read the title, I was thinking, oh, would this be one I would want to do? But then as I listen on, and it really is it's a benediction to the everyman or the disaffected. And I just thought, thought, surely someone has mentioned that somewhere. But it really, there wasn't a lot written about it. But then the things, of course, he said about it. But in terms of reviews or just even other commentary. It was scant, and I was surprised. So was I. And even in the Nicholas Jennings biography, he doesn't yeah. really talk about it very much at all. I think it gets two or three different citations. So I wish there had been more about it, but we may never know. We'll be right back to our conversation with Barbara J. about all the lovely ladies. But first, a word from a podcast partner or two. I just wanted to take a second to tell you about my latest podcast discovery. Fire Breathing Kittens is an actual play one-shot podcast that plays various tabletop role-playing games with a season-long plot. Because there's a beginning and an end to each week's story, you can start at any episode. Yeah, you won't miss a thing. Every week has a different combination of four from the same rotating cast of people. Join fire-breathing kittens as they solve detective mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. That's Fire-Breathing Kittens podcast. Check it out. 
1942, when the world needed a hero to fight the forces of evil, a woman had the courage to step forward. Her name was Helen Meeker. Her adventures took her across the United States and behind the lines of both the European and Pacific fronts. President Franklin Roosevelt trusted her judgment. Adolf Hitler put a price on her head. And in the face of overwhelming odds, she battled through everything that was thrown at her, dodged death countless times, and challenged the most diabolical figures in history. The star of more than 20 novels, Helen Meeker proved her grit and determination time and time again. And now the Long Highway players bring the book series to life on the airways. These exciting dramas will place you in the middle of the action, immerse you in riveting drama, plunge you into unimagined intrigue, and confound you with dark mysteries, while giving you the opportunity to live adventures in a time when the fate of the world hung in the balance. Enjoy the exploits of Helen Meeker and follow author Ace Collins's In the President's Service series on That's Not Canon Podcast Network. Before we start talking about the lyrics, some people have said this song is kind of a modern hymn because it's asking for other people, other groups of people to be blessed. And Mm -hmm. although I don't think it uses the word God or Jesus or anything that is overtly religious, Mm -hmm. it does have the same form and it does have the same kind of spirit. So I'm wondering if you have ever thought of it as a modern day hymn. No, not until you mentioned that, because I almost, I think, bless you all and keep you. That's sort of a a saying, if you will, like people will say when they're parting company, when it's, oh, bless you, or, you know, what happened on your travels or whatever you're doing. So on a sense, but I would never say it's cliche in terms of this song, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of thinking of, of, of it as a hymn, no, I just kind of thought it was almost like a bless you all and keep you. Heaven can be yours just for now. It's almost like a be here now kind of thing where you are on your road. Bless you. You know, of course, we're going to talk about the lyrics, but I think that's what came through for me. Just again, it's it's a hymn. It's a benediction of sorts. But I I didn't think of it as a hymn. Okay. So you just said it. Now I'm now that's going to be on my mind. <laughs> and now I'm going to yeah, now it's going to be stuck in your head for a while whenever you <laughs> sing this song. So starting with all the lovely ladies in their finery tonight, I wish that I could know them one by one. He's kind of confessing to be a healthy straight male in his mid 30s, meaning yes. that he's unconcerned with them. He wants to know them all and mm. maybe know them in the biblical sense or maybe yeah. know them in the traditional relationship sense to know them or say, okay, she's a friend of mine or whatever. All the handsome gentlemen with loving on their minds strolling in to take the ladies home. And I love the way strolling in, like casually, okay. Like, I'm going to be able, this is easy pickings. I'm going to be able to take somebody home tonight. And he knows that some of these women will be going home with strangers who will charm them. And Mm. then it's going to be, I don't like thinking of all of them as being a one-night stand, but it's... Probably more of them will end up being disappointed than not. Bless you all and keep you on the road to tenderness. Heaven can be yours just for now. And I want to ask you about the heaven can be yours just for now part. Mm -hmm. But he's also telling them to be careful because what they are about to experience, heaven, whether it's in a romantic sense or the idea of being charmed or sex or whatever that will be, is just for now. And it's probably not going to last for very long. And it may end very, very badly. 
but I wanted to know, he, he uses that refrain, heaven can be yours just for now. What's he talking mm-hmm. about? Well, again, I think I go back to that. We are here, we are now. And even in the sense of this, as you just mentioned about the men, the women and the men, I take that line, bless you all and keep you, heaven can be yours just for now. I take that less as an admonition, like be careful as I do more as a, you're here, heaven can be yours just for now. It's, you know, maybe this is going to lead to something more. Maybe it's not. Maybe everyone's just going to have a great time tonight, but it's it's yours now. So just enjoy it and love it. And that's what that means for me. I think just enjoy it, be here now. And we don't, no one knows what's going to happen, but here we are. So I, I think of the, you know, live for today mm-hmm. idea, be mm-hmm. in the moment and enjoy the moment now. Maybe exactly. not with the idea that tomorrow may never come, but you're here now and this is all that you're guaranteed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And especially when, well, as we go on, it all contextually, it, I think it makes sense as the song goes on. Definitely. Yeah. And we will talk about that. All the gentle stranger who by nature do not smile to everyone who cannot hold a pen. Now, let's stop there for a second. What does this mean? <laughs> this line, I'm thinking, are we talking about just artists who true artists never smile or people who can't hold a pen, meaning that they don't know how to write or they can't put their thoughts into writing? What on earth is going on here, do you think? I think the pen is metaphorical. Everyone who cannot hold a pen, I take it to mean those who want to do something, be it an artistic endeavor or writing, singing, anything, really. Someone, carpentry, somebody wants to do something, but they can't do it either because they're not good at it or they don't believe they're good at it. They don't have the tools to do it or what have you. So I think that's what that is. I believe the pen is metaphorical. And, you know, perhaps writing it also, I sing and I, I write, I try to write on the side. I think that that's, you know, sometimes you can have that pen in hand and it doesn't matter if you're holding it, it doesn't work then either. I think that was, the pen was just a metaphor for things that we would like to do, but we can't for either for self-imposed reasons or just because we just don't have that capacity. And in this case, it may be expression that you can't communicate visually, you can't communicate verbally, you're tongue tied, you can't, you know, draw a stick figure, things like that. To all you heavy rounders with a headache for your pains who dread the thought of going around the bend. I love this line. Rounders are people who frequent bars. I had to look that up in the dictionary because it's not a word that's used very much in the 21st century. Maybe looking for love, and they're both men and women. And I think again of Joni Mitchell's Down to You, go down to the pickup station, craving warmth and beauty. You settle for less than fascination, and a few drinks later, you're not so choosy. So I think of that, and you know, they being fellow Canadians, I don't know if they had any influence on each other. But anyway, they're afraid their loneliness will drive them crazy. And it's hard to believe as we sit here that people can die of loneliness, but it happens. Bless you all and keep you on the road to better things. Heaven can be yours just for now. And it sounds to me like he's saying there are better things in life than being a rounder, than hanging out in bars and waiting for Prince or Princess Charming to come along. What do you think? Well, I think that, but I also think too, he's just saying, keep going. Your road will bend and it it will lead to better things eventually. He's saying on the road to better things, because certainly one could do that. You know, the rounders, the whole bar situation. People do it forever sometimes. I think he's saying in that line, keep going. Your road will will eventually get you someplace that's maybe not a bar or not a club. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably just as simple as maybe. I'm hoping it's just persistence. As as right. Persistence. <laughs> to all the lovely ladies in their finery tonight, I wish that I could kiss you while you knit. 
Mm-hmm. And again, I'm wondering, what does this have to do with anything? There's a little bit of a gender stereotype. With all due respect to Rosie Greer, most men don't knit. Let's just face it. They, they don't. What do you think he's talking about here? Well, I, when I first saw that line, I thought it was interesting too and odd. I, I, but I think that perhaps given the time and given that you mentioned stereotypical roles and things, women knit. And perhaps he was just saying to them, they're not really engaged or feeling it. But then, you know, if he could kiss them while they knit, he's pay, again, paying like a homage of sorts to them. Just I know you're doing this. I know you may be not crazy about doing this, but I wish I could kiss you. And then, you know, it would maybe validate that activity, the everyday thing of knitting or maybe any kind of everyday thing. That's the metaphor he used or that that's the words he used. So to and honor think, something that they're doing that might otherwise be just seen as mundane. Right. I think. To all the ones who learn to live with being second-guessed, whose job it is to give more than to get. And second-guessing is a form of suspicion. So he might be talking about people in bars or other settings who are putting their hearts out there in a genuine way and that they're immediately suspect because people have had bad experiences. So the idea would be that, let's say, A man is being very straightforward. There's no guile there, trying to introduce himself to a lady. And the lady has been burned by suitors before. So immediately the walls go up um, and she's immediately suspicious of him. And it could be the roles could be reversed there, of course. But the idea is being second guessed. You think I'm on the right track there? Yes, I think, you know, in terms of the, the the men and the women aspect of it, but I also think for me, it spoke to people who are who feel second guessed throughout their lives, maybe by their parents, by the, they decide to go to a certain line of work or a certain, maybe by their friends, you know, oh, you're not going to stay here and do this, or you're going to do that. Teachers, you know, just p- people who always feel like they were doubted, maybe for their decisions or second guessed. And so that that's where I kind of immediately, no, I would say, yeah, immediately went with that was just who've learned to live with being second-guessed. I think that takes a long time, but there are people that live that way. Everyone's always, why are you doing that? Why do you live your life that way? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? So that that's where I put it in my own process, I guess. Yeah, or the alternative to that would be, you know, well, you can do that if you want, but I think it's stupid, which judging. is yes. yeah, <laughs> judging, which is, you know, well, I accept you, but on the other hand, do they really accept you? Just a little Um, convincing there, yeah. So yeah, I like your interpretation better than mine on that. We'll be right back to our conversation with Barbara J. about all the lovely ladies, but first a word from a podcast partner or two. Hi, this is Audie Martello, the host of the Mostly Folk podcast, a 60-minute foray into the music we all love. You will hear newly released albums, classic folk, country, and bluegrass music, as well as some traditional music that may or may not be true to the genre. Sometimes irreverent, often opinionated, but always entertaining. You may even hear a radio magic trick every so often, as well as numerous interviews via Zoom and telephone with established as well as indie artists. Mostly Folk is available wherever you listen to podcasts and always at mostlyfolk.org. Victorian Periodical Parade. 
hey, this is our new podcast. We're going to make this podcast. It's going to be Victorian. It's going to be new. It's going to be us reading and then breaking it down in the same episode. Be excited. Listen to these horror stories that are actually going to be similar to your life today. This is the transition episode where we go from YouTube, Facebook into the podcast. This is what we're planning on doing. We have content already. Go ahead and watch, listen on YouTube and Facebook. Um, But now it's pretty much just audio only. So we're going to bring it to you in an audio format. And uh, here it is. We're going to narrate a book and then we're going to break it down into the things that you have learned about the Victorian era and then the the crossover between the Victorian era everyday life to the 21st century everyday life, right? Victorian Periodical Parade. Victorian Periodical Parade. To all the little dreamers with a dream that cannot last, to all the sleeping giants who must wake, and by little dreamers, I kind of think that these are kids, but I also think that they may be just people that we might consider insignificant in society, not people who are really rich, not people who are really famous, but people who still have some sort of ambition or some vision of being better than what they are. And the dream cannot last because for whatever reason, they just don't have the wherewithal. They are starting from zero. There are too many disadvantages, et cetera. They're not going to make it. That was what I I got out of that. I kind of think of it too as, you know, perhaps little ones, kids, but for me, I think it more referring to like the little dreams of the things we say we're going to do if this or that happens. Oh, you know, when I win the lot, well, that would be a big dream, <laughs> but you know, when this happens, <laughs> when I get this job, I'm going to buy this house or and things that maybe we say to get ourselves by sometimes in a little mm-hmm. like humble dreams, you know, if only I could do this and I would do that. And then that's not going to last. That'll last until you get over the hump or what have you. And then, then there's another dream, the sleeping giants who must wake could be again those big things that we put on hold forever and you know sooner or later you got to make a decision about that and maybe that's the the sleeping giant yeah and there may be a subtext there of if you have dreams you've got to actually try to make them happen you know and make them come true as opposed to you say well someday i will blah blah he wasn't overt about that but i think it's also worth mentioning to every man who answers to the letter of the law and all the rest imprisoned by mistake Bless you all and keep you with the faith to let it pass. It sounds like he, in a way, he's saying to the dreamers who will not make their dreams come true for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, allow yourself to surrender that dream. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It doesn't mean there won't be other dreams. It doesn't mean that you won't be successful in some other setting, but let that go if you needed. And he's asking people who adhere to the law or legalistic and judgmental probably to be more forgiving. Don't be so harsh with other people whose circumstances you're not aware of. Indeed. And also, I think to the people in prison by mistakes to forgive themselves for their own mistakes, because that could be keeping them closed off to many things. And maybe that's where they get these judgments, perhaps of other people from their own experiences or what have you. Yeah. And. It may be their own mistake, and it may be somebody else's mistake, but they mm-hmm. are there for the, whatever that reason. To all the lonely sailors who have trouble being seen, to all of you with heartache that remains, maybe sometime later you might swim back into shore if someone could relieve you of your chains. 
beautiful poetry. Barbara, mm-hmm. what is he talking about? I think the reference to the sailors, again, is allegorical. And the chains in the final line might be the heartache that he mentions. To all of you with heartache that remains, you know, maybe sometime later you could swim back into shore if someone could relieve you of your chains. Perhaps the chains is that heartache. So if I could be relieved of this heartache, maybe I could be back in that place or with those people or in that relationship or that situation or job or what have you. So I, I think that's what it is. I think that the sailors and the chains, again, are allegorical to just the heartaches and the pain that, that we carry with us, you know, so long and 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 so well, so, so many times, you know, it was just carried along. And that, that that's what I think. I think it's metaphorical again. I do, too. And I think there's the conditional part of it. If someone could relieve you of your chains, you would swim back or maybe you would. If you thought there was a chance, if you thought it was worth trying to love again, to quote the recently passed Randy Meisner, maybe you might think about doing that. Bless you all and keep you on the land or on the sea. Heaven can be yours just for now. And then the song wraps up. So as you said, it was on the Cold on the Shoulder album. That was his 10th original album. He recorded it in 1974, and then it was released in 1975. It got pretty good reviews. Some critics said it's basically more of the same that we've come to expect from Lightfoot, which doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But it sounded a little bit like it was in the same vein as the kind of stuff that he'd been doing in the earlier part of the 70s. It was the eighth song on the record, and it was the second song on side B, which may explain why it didn't get a whole lot of radio play, because this is an album track, not released as a single. And the album itself did very well. It went to 44 in Australia, 3 in Canada, and 10 in the USA. So again, it showed that Lightfoot had a whole lot of staying power, even if this song didn't prove that in a commercial sense. The album certainly did. What's your favorite musical part of the recording that Lightfoot did? Because obviously your rendition of it had some amazing production, but the one that's on Cold on the Shoulder, what's your favorite musical part of it? And this is just from the writer and me too, but the construction of it, his phrasing was just always perfect too. You know, how he sang it, how it was written. But I just, I go back to the simplicity of it. As a whole, it's really a complex piece, but musically, I think with that melody and just with his voice and his lyric, I think with all of Gord's things, it was the simplicity of it, but yet it was so darn deep. <laughs> For me, that that was what did it because it was just a sim- you know just a guitar and his voice, and it was it was just lovely throughout. You nailed my favorite part of it, just the fact that it is so simple and it doesn't need a whole lot of other instrumentation. Um, Mm. I think there may have been a little bit of steel guitar on it. And so Pee-wee's solo, I think, was just so understated and so perfect that it gave enough of a break in the whole song. Mm. Although if he had had no break, it would have been fine. But it gave just enough of a musical interlude so that you're focusing on the lyrics one more time. So that was that aspect. So Pee Wee gets props from me for that. Indeed. Now, you talked about not getting a whole lot of radio play. Obviously, I have no way of knowing how many times it was played on the radio, but we do know that he performed it 258 times Wow! in his career. Yeah. The first one was on October 6th, 1974 in Boston at the Symphony Hall. He was touring to promote 
Sundown and then Cold on the Shoulder. And then most recently, he played it on July 18th, 2021 at the Copernicus Center in Chicago. I don't have a breakdown in the decades, but it sounds like he was doing it reasonably often. Again, it was a live favorite, and I don't know that he ever took requests, but if he had, I'll bet you some people would have said, I sang all the lovely ladies, and he probably would have said, okay, I'll do that one for you. Yeah. There were three official covers of this song that I could find. Daryl Scott, the White Knight Instrumental, and of course, yourself. And I'm wondering if you have heard either of the other two, and as the sort of flip side to that song, is there anyone else that you would like to hear cover this song from modern music? I have heard the other two. In terms of who I would think from the male side, Tim O'Brien, probably. Mm -hmm. And then as far as females, maybe Sarah McLaughlin. She's certainly done a lot of Lightfoot. and Right, exactly. When I looked for this, again, the same, didn't look like a lot of folks have covered it. I think either of those would be amazing yeah. on a cover of that, for sure. Yeah, good choices. For me, for a guy, unfortunately, he's passed away. I would have loved to have heard Kenny Rogers do this yeah. because I think his voice at his vocal peak would right. have lent just the right sort of suave aspect to this. And he would have yeah. also sounded fatherly, I think, for lack of a better word. As of right now, they may not be using this name anymore, but I would love to hear the Dixie Chicks sing this one because I think it would be great for their three-part harmony. And I think also the fiddle and the other instrumentation would be a nice touch so that it didn't come off so country, but it did how it sounded earthy. And Gordon certainly sounded very down to earth, but I think the Dixie Chicks could do a nice job on that. So Barbara, as we're wrapping up, Are there any other thoughts you have on this song? And then I want you to be able to talk a little bit about your own music. But as we wrap up looking at all the lovely ladies, anything else you'd like to add? You know, just that I was glad that I covered it because it opened me up to a whole aspect of Gordon's music, hearing this stuff that wasn't necessarily the the quote unquote hit song or what have you, because he had such an amazing catalog. I don't think I could ever listen to it all, all the songs that he's recorded. So I think that song was just sort of like a a gateway for me, you know, for maybe some of his lesser known, lesser known by me anyways. Well, keep listening to this podcast because, you know, what we're planning on doing is doing every single one of them. Tell us about your music and where people can find you online, where you're going to be performing, what you're working on right now. The floor is yours because I want you to be able to talk about Barbara J's music. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Well, as far as my music, again, I'm a cover artist. My music can be found anywhere where people stream or buy their digital music. I have Spotify. Just search Barbara J. Make sure you put a period after the J because for some reason <laughs> you'll get other people. But, uh, and all three of the albums that I've done are, are there as well. Some singles. YouTube, it's called Malibu Barbara's Channel because that's my moniker. <laughs> the music of Barbara J. <laughs> I had to. And um, Pandora. Barbara J Radio, which has other music, not just, of course, my own music that have artists that are similar to the types of songs I cover. Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, really anywhere that you listen to or buy your digital music. And as far as what's coming up, I don't play out. I have been in communication with a band around here that they're a cover band. And they, they've asked me, you know, maybe sometime you want to sit in. So I'm thinking about that. That's possibly to come. But 
working on another Gordon project, as luck would have it. And I've got a single that's going to drop Friday, August 25th, to kick that off. Then it'll just be back to the studio to work on that project and hope to release that before the end of the year. Well, so there's a lot of material out there and the listeners, I hope you took that down and you'll be able to listen to this young lady to your heart's content. Well, Barbara J, we've been talking about this for months and it's been an honor for me to follow your music and to be able to listen to it and include it on one of my all-time great lists. So thank you so much for being with me this afternoon and bless you and keep you. Thank you, Mike, and you as well. Cheers. And thanks for listening, everybody. If you like this well enough to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Carefree Highway Revisited is on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your listening matter. Our website is www.lightfootpodcast.com. I'd like to make a special request for you to visit my Patreon page. I love this show so much, and I want to keep it going. And you're in a position to help. Please head over to www.patreon.com slash carefreehighwayrevisited. A dollar or two a month is all I ask. You can reach me, Mike Messner, at teachermike72 at gmail.com. Well, our next episode will feature my guest, Quentin Paul Kuntz, making his second appearance on the show. And he and I will be discussing Cherokee Bend. That's another selection from the Cold on the Shoulder album. And that'll be coming out in early October. Until then, for Barbara J., this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. We'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.